Well, thank you for joining me today in Financially Speaking. My name is Mitch Slater. I'm a Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with UBS Wealth Management in Westfield, New Jersey, where along with my partners, Anne and Crystal, we do our best to bring you advice beyond investing and address our clients' most challenging financial needs. It's my sincere hope that each and every episode of this podcast will educate you on personal finance and real life business issues of the day. So let's jump right in. So I, I'm really pumped for this episode. I've been so fortunate to have gotten to know my guest, Claude Silver, over the last few years professionally. And she is truly one of the most inspirational, giving, and humble leaders in the business world that I've ever met. I will, I will keep the bio part short, as Claude has an incredible website with more details about her background that includes senior leadership positions with major ad agencies in London. And actually, I think one of the things I love about your bio is, is that you're co-founder of Girls Adventure Out, which is women-focused outdoor and adventure enterprise. And we'll hear a little bit more about that life. And then for the last few years, she is the Chief Heart Officer, which is probably one of the coolest titles ever. But using your words, Claude, she oversees anything and everything that has to do with people. And I'm talking about nearly 800 heartbeats, as Claude puts it, with VaynerMedia. VaynerMedia, if you don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk, who I have mentioned many times before at Gary V, is probably the coolest and most successful, you know, the most successful global digital agency. And you could look up a million things, and I'll have links in the show notes, but I, I want every precious moment with Claude, so let's just get into it. First of all, thank you. Thank you. That was an incredible intro, so I'm honored to be here, and you know, I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, well, I appreciate that. And you know, first of all, and I think most importantly, Sunday was a big day for you personally. I mean, it was your first Mother's Day as a new mom. So I guess, you know, kind of some thoughts on that, and what did your daughter Shalom have in store for you? <laughs> Oh my gosh, Mitch, I got to tell you, I just didn't think I'd ever be in this position. I mean, that's really, really it. So she's six and a half months old. And from the minute she came out, you know, I fell in love with her. And on Sunday, I have to say, it just hit me again. Like, I'm a mom. I'm a freaking mom. My entire <laughs> life has changed. And it just makes me so happy. You can see probably my face is getting blushed. You know, she's the most incredible, incredible, incredible little person I've ever known. And she has a lot in store for me. She's a firecracker. Good, good. Well, she's got the right mom <laughs> to, 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 to handle Thank that. You. And that's really excited. And, and obviously, she'll be teaching you. Oh, I know. She already is. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, the, I think, one of the amazing things about kids is both my kids have taught me so much more than I ever would have gotten out of life. So it really is incredible. So I want to start with your journey and your path and, and more specifically how you acquired all of this amazing wisdom. And if I actually had the music rights, I'd probably be playing Surfer Girl right now, even though, you know, or The Cure or you too, but having know, there, know that there was some surfing in your past. But so Let's, let's talk a little bit about the journey because, you know, you don't just wake up one day as chief heart <laughs> officer and, you know, as comfortable as you are and, sure. you know, just talk a little bit about it. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm proud of my journey. I, no shame in my game. I worked through a lot of that. You know, I'm a, I'm a different kind of learner and at a very, very early age, I recognized that I observed people and I learned the world in a different way. And that was by observing, listening and partaking, I'd say. And uh, I had dyslexia as a kid and, and have found many, many tools to, to deal with that today. But as a dyslexic, you do have to figure out ways to succeed in this mm -hmm. world. 
and people was the way. And I think leaning in on EQ and empathy, I had no idea what that was. I just cared about people more than I cared about math, or I cared about you know, how people felt and emotions and what was going on at a, at a young, young age, young age. And I moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico when I was 12 from New York City, which really was mind-blowing, as wow, you can imagine. Yeah. So going into seventh grade, which was the right time to do it, thank you, mom and dad, for, for mm-hmm. leaving, leaving me in sixth grade here in New York. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's adobe. They're brown houses. You can't build over three stories there. I mean, it, you know, this is New York City. You, you, and then can't, you, can't, find, you can't pick a, you know, a place it's, on the map in the U.S. Yeah, that's like more different. Going like, to Mars. Yeah. But what that did is it gave me such an appreciation of the outdoors and sports. And I dove head first into being outdoors and getting into snowboarding at a very early age and tennis and soccer. And that gave me a lot of self-esteem, whereas school didn't. Mm -hmm. And I thus became um, a player and a coach and a captain of teams. And that love that I have of people and the encouragement and the rah, 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 really was able to like get into my veins and has stayed with me all the way. So took me a while to appreciate my own strength and become confident in my own self, but it was always very easy to, for me to believe in others. So my journey to finding myself and figuring myself out really happened in my 20s and right. 30s and, of course, happens today as well. Sure. I spent a majority of my 20s just literally like, why am I the way I am? And is there a missing chip? Did I miss something, mom and dad? And like, why, why don't I learn the same way that my brother learns and stuff like that? And finding a path towards accepting myself, right. I think you would say, and, and finding things that I knew I was good at and starting to lean in on those things. Not consciously, mm-hmm. not consciously. I didn't have that in, in my purview yet, but I knew that I would always be around teams because I'm I love team. I love the idea of collaboration and helping one another out and going in the trenches with one another and then, you know, bursting out of the water together and like sure. high-fiving. Mm-hmm. So. And you spent so much time outdoors. I know yeah. you were literally climbing mountains and valleys and going down the Grand Canyon and, yep. and having these amazing experiences. And so you viewed a lot of amazing landscapes. And now five years ago, you come here and you have clearly changed the landscape of HR as well as VaynerMedia from my perspective of someone who's been involved with the company from day one. So changing the title or this new title that exists, Chief Heart Officer, obviously, but by making mentoring and coaching one of your main purposes at work. So let's talk a little bit about the title because that's, I'm sure, the question you get all the time, but I just have to ask it because it is just so wonderful. And also about the culture that you and Gary have created here at VaynerMedia, which I know you call the Honey Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, I have to say, you know, the title came from Gary because he's just the most creative person in the world. And he's, he's such a brander, if you will. But I do think the title, you know, matching Chief Heart Officer up with me and, and he and I are very, very, very similar when it comes to hearts and caring about people and humanity and positivity. It was an easy match for him to say, Chief Heart Officer, Claude, because he would call himself a Chief Heart Officer. So that blend just seemed to happen very naturally. I think if this role, there's no job description, so the role is being created as I live and breathe it every single day, and I'm creating it from what I think is the right thing to do based on the culture and based on where we want to go, and but also based on my personality. Because if you had John Smith in this role, John Smith would do it differently based on his personality. Right. You know, Susie would do it differently. So 
For me, what's really important to me, and I talk about it all the time, is helping people, facilitating people, getting them to feel like they belong. And in order to do that, you need to find safety. You need to make sure people feel anchored somewhere. I belong, I'm okay, I'm gonna be okay here. That's job number one. And so that's something that is in, we do constantly here in one-on-ones and massive talks and Gary's one-on-ones. You know, you've been in the, the sure. walls forever. Right. Right. So that's one. And that also encompasses like the diversity portion. You know, DNI is on everyone's tongue right now and it should be and by the way it should always be of course, of course and then one day we should just never call it diversity and inclusivity because it just will but belonging means we need to be extremely mindful and intentional about hiring and about what we're doing within the walls here to make sure that everyone feels as though they have a place and they can come here and they can just like in gary's words crush it yeah. And my words thrive. Right. You know. Well, you, you've created a culture where I heard you talking the other day, every Wednesday at VaynerMedia's Wine Wednesday. And this particular week, a lot of the different cultures that you've created within the organization kind of had their own drink set up, so to speak. Yeah, they had, the, I kind of call it a career fair. It was yeah. amazing. And by the way, they did it. I did nothing. Mm-hmm. I did nothing other than be like, I think that's a great idea. But they all, every single group, Affinity Employee Relations Group, sat out in the kitchen there and, and had a little booth, you know? And so as you went by, you got a little info of what they do and where they're, who do they fundraise for and what their next meeting is. And they each served a little cocktail. And it was amazing. And the turnout was just, it just made my heart burst because it's organic. Yeah, exactly. You know, what do we do? We put a sign in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. <laughs> exactly. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. you saw it. Yeah. So. This place runs on gratitude. Right. That is our fuel. Gratitude and optimism and this idea of we, not I, mm-hmm. is what we run on. Like That is what we eat every single day. And every now and then, you know, when you're eating something, you come against like something that didn't taste right. That happens too. Sure. Right? We're minestrone soup here. And like some days you're going to get like, oh, that piece of onion that should have been chopped a little bit more. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, awesome. those are things that we work through pretty quickly because we're such a high touch culture population right. here. And also, you know, I think this is a question I've always really kind of wanted to ask you anyway, is that, you know, listen, Gary is one of the most fascinating people that I think either of us have ever met. Anyone who follows Gary and knows his career from turning a wine business into a $100 million business and and then obviously starting this agency and everything else he creates seems to turn to gold, including today a reservation system was just bought out by American Express that he was involved in, you know, since day one. So Gary goes at warp speed. I mean, that's what works for him. And he, he just creates this brilliance all the time. And, you know, he has this quote, which I love, which is hustle is the most important word ever. So I wonder how, if there's any kind of a conflict there, because you're, you're out there, you know, sort of the calm influence, you know, and Gary is obviously, you know, in, in going in that speed. Like, how do you handle and counsel those 800 heartbeats in a calm, thoughtful way when, you know, you have someone like Gary. I mean this only very positively. Yeah, no, of course, of course. That's how he runs and not everyone's going to run on that. So my job as Switzerland is to really, and I say that all the time, is like, I am here to hold people where they are. I am not here to make them into Gary's or to turn them into Claude's or to turn them into, you know, Mike Tyson's. They are who they are. That's all they need to do. Show up and be who you are. And I'm going to catch you right there. And we're just going to make you into the best you you can possibly be. And if you want to hustle like Gary V, cool. If you want to, you know, come in and do your eight hours and get home and see your kid's soccer practice, cool. 
this is all about the individual and then the sum of the parts. Right. You know, but there ain't no one that's that busting their butts 18 hours a day. That's what he's choosing to do. And now that I have a kid, you know, I, I was a workaholic big time, but I'm home by six o'clock, mm -hmm. which is just unfathomable if you would have asked me eight months ago. Right, yeah. right. But your priorities change. And your priorities your change. Your priorities change. And, yeah. And I think finding what's right for everyone. And the one thing that I've certainly noticed throughout my life is I'm, I'm working in many ways harder now in, in my later 50s than I was as my kids were younger in my mid to late thirties. Yeah. And it's just, you know, there's just, you go through different phases and I think that's just perfectly, perfectly normal. Yeah, and you actually said something, you said a phrase that I really, really love, so I wanna call it out. You said finding right. And that's what we aim to do here. We're not right, we're finding right. Not only as a creative agency, we're finding right what's right for our consumers, but for each and every individual, we're finding right. I don't have the right for these people. I don't have the right, I don't have the silver bullet, mm -hmm. but together we find right. Tweetable moment right there. Love that, love that. So I did an episode about women and the relationship with money called Own Your Worth. UBS had put out some, some really interesting papers on that. And the statistics I thought were a bit surprising and I wanted to talk to you about that because it was dealing mostly with millennial women in general and how they're abdicating most of their financial decisions still today to a spouse, to a parent, to a boyfriend, to the 401k guy like me that shows up. And I don't know, I kind of found it surprising. And does that surprise you that here we are in 2019 and that's still a thing? I guess, you know, I want to tell you that it surprises me, but it doesn't because I think, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and we've been forfeiting and handing things over for so long mm -hmm. that it doesn't surprise me that we're still doing that. I don't think that we're going to do it forever, but money is such a sticky, sticky, sticky topic for people. Right. And it can be very scary. And, you know, you have it one day, you lose it the next day. And so you do want advice. And I think the question is really for females, how are we going out there and, and helping them become champions of their own. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, that's how I want to turn that conversation rather than, you know, going to dad and going to whomever. I think we just need to empower and teach and train, but over and over and over and over and over again. I don't think that's going to go away anytime right. soon. Well, since I have financial in the title of this show, uh, what about your relationship with money over the years? Did you think about money as a teenager? Was it something that was a focus of yours? And have you seen your relationship with money change dramatically over, over the years? I'm not, I don't mean investing specifically. No, I'm no, I get, I get you. Yeah. You know, I've thought about it a lot recently, I think, as I've had a baby and you, you mm -hmm. need to start investing in a different way right. and saving money and, and whatnot. But what I will say is, is I have always been very fortunate to have a full-time job where I know that every two weeks I'm getting X and it's very steady for me and so I don't need to worry because I know what's in the bank that really really helps me uh, which is great as a teenager you know I, I grew up in a, a very entitled way and so while I had to work at an early age my parents had my brother and I working at 13 to earn money I also knew that good, we good were... Good parenting, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, but I knew that I was okay. Right. When my parents fell upon some financial times, that's when it got a little scary because then as a 22-year-old, I was fending for myself. Right. And that was really interesting. However, it shot me out of a cannon to where I understood, oh, I'm going to need to get a job. And mm -hmm. that's going to have to, you know... So, is that where the surfing came in? Or? No, much. that was in my third... That was in when I was 30, I know. I was teaching ropes courses, though, back then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's always outdoors feeds me. But 
just to go back to the, the conversation, I like to be in control of my money and know what's happening. I like to see what's happening in the world of investment. I think it's fascinating. You know, I'm, I'm hot on, you know, cannabis right now, sure, of course. Sure. And I recognize I know very little. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I know what? just enough. And you really only need to know just enough because some of the people that claim to be the smartest people in the world don't know what they're doing. And all you have to do is remember the Madoff incident. And yeah. I think that's a, that's a classic, classic case in that. That's so. true. Stay away from that. So Vayner's chock full of young people, obviously, many millennials, some Gen Zers thrown in. And that's pretty typical in this new media world. So as you know, I've always had an interest in that generation. And there are a lot of myths and stereotypes. And, and we both know Aaron Lowry, who wrote the book Broke Millennial, who I brought in and who I interviewed recently. And I'd kind of like to hear from your perspective, who someone who's constantly meeting with millennials in the workplace. And are there traits that are really specific? Or is it just, you know, these are universal at any age? Well, I actually think they're universal at any age. I just don't think when you were 24 or when I was 24, anyone was really like caring, asking, right. or like <laughs> just listening. Right. You know. So I do think that every generation is pegged as being this and that and this and that. But what I love about this generation is that at least they're loud. You know, they're loud about it. They're purposeful about it, and they want certain things, which. You and I both wanted feedback. Right. We both wanted recognition. We both wanted to do purposeful work. We just we just didn't know we could ask for it. And by the way, we probably would have been laughed at right. too because it was just a different time. The millennial population is the workforce today and you, you can't ignore them. No. And why would you ignore them? They're doing incredible things. They're the most creative generation. Gen Z, right. millennials, like I say bring it on. Yeah. And the only thing I ask is like, understand again like it is a marathon it's not a sprint yeah no absolutely and you use a term which is i know the name of a book in many of the ways that you do teaching and mentoring called radical candor Mm -hmm. explain that a little bit yeah so radical candors is a book by kim scott and really what it think of the word candor and Mm -hmm. what it's saying is like just be radical be epic about it be like insanely determined and committed to it and radical candor really is a way at point blank it's a way of giving feedback or criticism in a way that still tells you that I care about you personally. I'm not trying to like lambast you or slander you or touch your personality or anything. I just want to give you some feedback because you're here to grow. You want to learn and grow and get more at-bats and opportunities. So in order to do that, like things don't come for free. You do have to work. And Radical Candor is a way to approach you in a very kind and clear way, giving you specifics and making sure that I'm giving you feedback like today, mm-hmm. not four months ago on right. what you did, because that doesn't you know, count, and that it's actionable. So really, coming into the conversation in a kind way, that means in, in, in a humble way, not being authoritative, because let's be very clear, I don't know the answers to everything, nor do you. I just have been on this earth longer than- Right, you have experience. I have experience, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. So radical candor is a way of just like, being extremely kind, extremely clear, sincere, current, actionable, specific. Thank you very much. Right. And you have a challenge. You have over 800 employees in LA, in London, in Chattanooga, and obviously here in New York, and in a few different locations. So that has to be challenging too, because there's a lot of heartbeats for you to, uh, yeah. to talk to. Well, the great thing is that I do a lot of training. Right. So I'm, I'm training people on Radical Candor, That's and great. I just trained a team last week on the media data side. And what they said to me three days after was, 
I said, you know, did you learn anything, whatnot? They said, what we really feel is that we now have permission to give one another feedback, mm. which I just thought, if that's all it did, then, you know, thank you. Yeah, exactly. That's all it needs to do. Like, that's all. As they say in Yiddish, gunug. 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 Uh, gunug. Absolutely. <laughs> this woman's a mensch. But that's a whole separate story. So this, this is great timing, again, because on Friday you were quoted in the Wall Street Journal in a, in a really great story, I thought, called The Most Anxious Generation Goes to Work. And we'll link to that later in the show. As new college graduates, including my daughter, Georgia, next week from University of Maryland, apparently they're reporting higher levels of anxiety, which I have seen. Thank God my daughter just got hired. Um, the story talks how new managers like you are helping them steer past fear, improve work performance, and learn to calm their anxiety. And in the article, you talk about the one-on-ones that you do, and you try to stop them from comparing their career progress to others. That fascinates me. All right. Well, compare, despair. When you compare yourself to another person, do you feel good? Not really. You, You wind up in some kind of despair puddle. And that means if you compare yourself to the person you sit next to, whether or not they're getting a raise that's bigger than yours, whether or not they get handed the the assignment that is a bigger account, or you compare yourself on social media, you're just going to feel terrible. So don't. Right. And that generation obviously grew up on social media. Yeah. So, so there's you a know, lot of comparing going there's on. There's a lot of comparing. And look, we're humans. And right. so we do it. We're wired. First of all, we're wired to be in connection with one another. And part of connection means I'm going to check you out. Mm-hmm. Like, You're going to check me out. Am I going to like what I see? Am I going to be envious? So the comparison part makes us at times either envious or hubristic. Both places end up in a just, like I say, a puddle. Mm. That's, that's what compare despair means. So, you know, we want to try to get people to a place of owning their own strengths and thus becoming confident in who they are today. And then we can work on who they're going to be tomorrow because the confidence is, is what's going to ground them. Right. And when people ask me, you know, they ask me all the time, what would you tell your younger self? Well, what do you think I would tell my younger self? <laughs> there goes my last question. So you might as yeah, well answer. I mean, I would tell my younger <laughs> self, like, be confident, speak up. It's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay to not know the answer, but take up space. Right. You know, don't be silent. And instead, you know, I and many, many, many other people chose in some of those younger years to be silent because we just didn't think, you know, but it's like everyone has something to share. Like Mitch, the riddle of the day, who is the smartest person in the room? The room. The room. The room. (laughs) (laughs) So show up. Exactly. You have to show up. So you've done a lot of interviews, obviously, about your roles at VaynerMedia. I always like to ask if there's a, if there's one question that's no one's ever asked you that, that, you know, you've wondered, why are they ever asking me about this or, or, or that you'd like to take on? I think about that a lot because, of course, there's about a thousand that no one's ever asked me. But, mm-hmm. you know, you alluded to me having an adventure company, an outdoor right. adventure company. So, and I talked about moving to Santa Fe, which gave me a, an enormous appreciation of the outdoors. And I've talked quite a bit about my out, outward bound experience at 19 and how that was really, really right. life changing and, and turned me from a victim really into a servant leader in many, many ways. And the outdoors healed me. And I really believe that the outdoors and being adventurous in the outdoors where there's clear air and there's oxygen does something for us when we push ourselves just that much further, just that, that much further. And, and, and I just believe that the outdoors is the place for learning. You know, it, it really is. So having an outdoor adventure company was the place for me to con- continue to coach and champion people and help them 
take on their wildest dreams, get up on a surfboard, scale a mountain. You and know? how are you doing that, working with the outdoor adventure? Well, right no, now? so we sold that. That you was sold. Oh, okay, yeah, we sold yeah, that. Right. But in the summer times, I'm wakeboarding every right. weekend, wakeboarding and hiking. I mean, wakeboarding? What the heck? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm strong and all, but like I'm out there on a wakeboard and in the winter times I'm snowboarding. That's, and that gives mm. me all of the juice I need. That right. plus some loud music in my ears. Well, the, the room you're in there is the greatest room that exists, which is the great outdoors. Yeah. There's Thank no you. better room than that. Yeah. So, you know, you've lived an incredible first half. <laughs> and now the new you know, journey has begun with your daughter. And, you know, you've, you've answered the question I was going to ask about 12-year-old Claude. So most of all, I just want to be you know, thankful that you took the time to speak with us today. You know, as someone who has been around this organization from day one, I have seen the changes and obviously the changes are, are happening all the time in many different ways. But the, I'm someone who has the fortunate side to meet with many employees and these are amazing people that you're hiring. They're just incredible. Each one has a, a wonderful story to tell and really, really just fascinates me so you know i think you guys have done a tremendous job in in hiring as well so so i know you have you know probably 800 emails by now so i don't want to take up any more of your precious time just to, as i say thank, thank you and from the bottom of my heart for not only being on my podcast but for all of your generosity and your goodness and and your advice i know you were a psychotherapist and <laughs> and uh, licensed in that way and, and we've had a lot of discussions and i usually say these days I prefer dogs to most people in our crazy world, but knowing that there's a Claude Silver out there helping so many people daily makes me hopeful, makes me happy. So thank you so much. Thank you. Mitch, thank you very much. And thank you again for everybody for listening to Financially Speaking. Please subscribe. We are officially now on Spotify. And thanks to Resonate Recording for all of their post-production. For Alex, who did some video you're going to get to see here. And remember, when it comes to saving your money for whatever it is coming in your future, Pay yourself first. Thank you. Mm -hmm.